RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill. I want to first say happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I hope you had a good day. I hope you had a blessed day with your children. My kids were not with me, but I did get a chance to go out, hike Stone Mountain in the heat in Atlanta, Georgia. Came home, took a little nap, went and watched Game 7, Cavs versus Golden State. Surprise, the game didn't go exactly how I thought it would go, especially since it was in Oakland. And the Cavs took it. LeBron has his ring again. He's brought a championship to Cleveland. You know, I'm not a LeBron fan by any means, but hey, I got to take my hat off to him, to his team. They came back from a 3-1 to deficit. This is the first time in NBA history that that's happened. So hey... Cleveland Cavs a few years ago were this joke team. LeBron comes back to Cleveland, gets him in the playoffs in the finals last year. This year he takes it all. So hats off to him. Hats off to Golden State Warriors. I mean, they played a heck of a season. I mean, they had the best record in the league. They just couldn't pull off that final crucial game seven at home. But, you know, basketball is basketball. I kind of see the same teams being in the playoffs, in the finals again. Golden State versus Cavs next year. That's my prediction. That's how it was last year. I think next year Golden State's going to have a lot to prove, especially since they lost at home and only by four points. That's a hard pill to swallow for any team. But, hey, this is not a basketball show. This is not a sports show. This is beyond the badge. And this week... I'm not actually in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in New York City. I'm in the heart of Manhattan, not too far from Times Square. I flew out here yesterday to do some media meetings. I was at CNN all day yesterday. I'm grateful for that. Big things coming. But of course, when you're in a city as big as New York, there's always something going on involving the police. So there's a few things I want to talk about. I want to talk about a young man that was shot and killed by police. He was a black man in the projects of New York, and this happened actually on Father's Day, so this past Sunday, and already there's tension, there's heat. I got a chance to go over by the projects where it happened uh, while I was here. I want to talk about that. Then I want to talk about the biggest story in New York right now. It's this police corruption story where I believe three high-ranking officers have been arrested so far. There's some things that they did. Uh, that you know, it was pretty questionable. There was, they were taking bribes, they were taking trips, they were doing all this other stuff. But my main concern is about what they were doing with guns and getting guns into the wrong hands. So I want to talk about that. But first, I want to talk about this case where the uh, gentleman was shot by police. And of course, everyone's saying it was 31 shots. It was excessive didn't have to go down that way that was too much and then of course there's some one in the news on camera oh they could have shot him in the leg so he would have dropped the gun so I want to play this 
news clip first. And again, this happened this Father's Day. So this was just this past Sunday. And I think he was about to go celebrate Father's Day with his four-year-old. But there's a backstory to it. Of course, there's a backstory to it. So let me play this news clip and then we'll talk about this case. This is Tell Eyewitness News. The 25-year-old burst through this front door, and as he walked down a pathway right in front here, he fired a 9-millimeter handgun towards the metal gate. What followed was that deadly confrontation with police. This shouldn't have happened to my baby. This shouldn't have Arlene's son, Rashawn Lloyd. Early this morning, police opened fire, shot and killed the 25-year-old here in front of this building at the Soundview houses. Violet heard what seemed like endless gunfire. I jumped off my bed thinking that I was in a whole situation. Like I felt like I was out there with them and it scared me. Police say Lloyd was holding this 9mm handgun when they first arrived. Several people had called 911 saying a man was firing a weapon. Investigators maintain they initially ordered Lloyd to drop the handgun. He refused. The suspect then starts to walk toward the officers, pointing his gun at them. Three officers then fire a total of 31 shots, some of which struck the suspect. A hail of bullets, many here say, was excessive. You could have shot him in the arm, in the leg, somewhere where he could drop and still be alive. 31 shots is ridiculous. Lloyd has a four-year-old son, but his cousin admits he was worried about Lloyd, who just yesterday went to Jacoby, the same hospital where he was pronounced dead today. He was smoking with somebody, and he came back not normal. I sent him to the hospital, and... They checked his blood, says nothing wrong with him, just sent him back home. He gets back an hour later, still acting, acting funny. On top of that, Arlene tells me her son had been held at Rikers for two years on a robbery charge, something he insisted he didn't do. He was released, but Arlene says was never the same. My son was supposed to have been on meds, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if he was taking them. I haven't seen him in a couple of months. So, 25-year-old Rashawn Lloyd shot and killed by NYPD. You just heard his mother give a statement to the media that says, this didn't need to happen to my son, to my baby. Well, I would agree with her 100%. It didn't need to happen. But let's look at what would have prevented it from happening. Drop the gun. Police tell you to drop the gun. You drop the gun. There is no situation no circumstance, no logical reason. This ain't a video game. When police tell you to drop the gun, this is not Grand Theft Auto where you get shot, you come back 20 seconds later, you got new life, you got new health. This is real life. You have police officers armed. You are armed. And remember, police respond to deadly force with deadly force. It could have been prevented to his mother. You are absolutely right. It could have been prevented had your son dropped his gun. Now let's look at the details leading up to the shooting. There was a call, several 911 calls from people. This is the projects of New York City. I'm going to go out on a limb and say those people that called were minority. They called and said, Rashawn Lloyd... Maybe they didn't know his name, but they said a male, black, fitting this description, has a gun. He's shooting it. 
If you look at the crime scene, you can see bullet holes all over the place from inside the building from where he was shooting it at. Police respond. He's armed. They tell him to drop the gun. He doesn't. And they fire. Three officers fire a total of 31 shots. So let's just do the math. Let's just divvy that up. 10 shots apiece plus one. So somebody had 11 shots. Okay. Now, you heard the young lady in that press conference say that was excessive. They could have shot him in the arm or the leg so he would have dropped. Well, to her I say go learn the use of force continuum and go learn how police shoot. Again, this is not TV. This ain't bad boys where Will Smith just shoots people in the ear and just nicks their ear and boom, the bad guy goes to jail. This is real life. So, 31 shots to the average person would seem excessive. But to someone that's trained in law enforcement that knows you shoot until the threat has stopped and you have three officers firing at the same target, 31 seconds is, or I'm sorry, 31 shots is only about two, maybe three seconds of shooting. And all the bullets did not hit him. Now, keep in mind, officers are trained to shoot targets. They go to in-service every year. Yeah, they may be a marksman, blah, blah, blah. But when someone is pointing a gun at you, you're probably going to miss a few of your shots, which is what these officers did. Because he wasn't shot 31 times. They're saying 31 shots were fired. They haven't released how many times he was shot. They said several, but he was not shot 31 times. So when you look at it that way, logically, 31 shots wasn't really excessive because over half the shots did not hit Rashawn Lloyd. They did not hit him. And you have three officers firing at the same target who's armed with a gun, who does not drop the gun when police tell him to. So then you hear his mother talk about, well, my son was in prison for two years for robbery. He was supposed to take his meds. I don't know if he's been taking his meds. I haven't seen him in a couple of months. Well, I can't determine whether he was supposed to be on medication or not. But what I can determine are a few things. A, the officers would not have known that, nor would they have responded any differently if they said, oh, he's supposed to be on Delizapan. We shouldn't shoot him, even though he's got a gun and he's been firing and he could kill us. We shouldn't shoot him. We should say, sir. Have you had your medication? Please let me go in your house and get your little blue pill that you can take that's going to take an hour to kick in while you still have this gun, while you've been firing at people, and while you're pointing the gun at me. So whether the police knew he was on medication or not would not have changed the outcome of that situation because gun, suspect. Drop the gun, suspect. Suspect does not drop gun. So all the medication in the world, whatever, the marijuana, whatever. And the reason I mentioned marijuana is because his cousin said, yeah, he was smoking with a few people. So I sent him to the hospital. They tested his blood and they sent him home saying there was nothing wrong. Again, police wouldn't have known had he been smoking marijuana, PCP, heroin, Whatever he was smoking that sent him to the hospital the day before, police had no knowledge of it. 
nor would it have changed the situation. Because he's not going to sit there and say, okay, officer, I got this gun in my hand, but I've been smoking weed, so don't shoot me. I'm not in my right mind. Okay, officer, I got this gun in my hand, but I've been sniffing cocaine, so don't shoot me because I'm not in my right mind. And the police definitely wouldn't have said, okay, Mr. Lloyd, I understand you've been smoking a little weed and you went to the hospital yesterday, so we're going to cut you a break. We're going to shoot you in the leg so you can drop the gun because you've been smoking weed so we can tell that you're not in your right mind. And we're going to put our lives in danger because you've been smoking weed. So you may have the intention of killing us, but since you've been smoking weed, we're only going to shoot you in the leg. That's how it works. No, that's not how it works. Gun equals deadly force. Deadly force is responded with by deadly force. There's no other equation in this world. There's no other logical equation. There's no other training equation. There's no other legal equation other than deadly force is met with deadly force. Now, let me go back to this whole thing his mom said about medication and he should have been on medication. When I hear someone say someone should have been on medication, that tells me they may have some mental health issues, which could be true. It happens. Now, a lot of times in the black community, we tend to shy away from that saying, oh, they're not crazy. They just need their butt whooped, blah, blah, blah. That happens in the black community. I'm not crazy. I'm not taking my medication, blah, blah, blah. It happens. So I understand it. Maybe he was supposed to be on medication, but he wasn't. But I did look at his Facebook page, Rashawn Lloyd, R-A-S-H-A-U-N, Lloyd, and... There's a few pictures on there where he's throwing up gang signs. There's a video of him talking about a Magnum condom. And if you don't know what a Magnum condom is, it's supposedly for guys that are of larger size. There's a video of him with two other guys and they're playing trap music in the background or someone is playing trap music. Those prices are too high. You need to cut it. And if you don't know what that song means, let me translate. The prices of your drugs are too high. You need to cut it. Usually if you're buying drugs in bulk to resale. So here's a guy who's making videos about condoms, who's talking about slashing drug prices, who's throwing up gang signs. One of his pictures is him throwing up the middle finger. It's a nice day, y'all. And this was back in May, so not too long ago before he was killed. So to me, I don't see the signs of mental health. I don't see the symptoms of mental health, but I am by no means a mental health type guy. Like, to me, everybody's a little crazy, in my personal opinion. You have to be to stay sane in this world. I think everyone has a little bit of craziness to them at some level. But I don't see this whole mentally ill person based on what I saw on his Facebook. 
And when you add into the fact that his cousin said, yeah, he was smoking something, so I sent him to the hospital because he was acting crazy. Well, let's not confuse mental health with a bad reaction to some drugs. There's a difference. There are people that literally do see voices and or hear voices and see dead people and all of this stuff because they are mentally ill. But there are people who may get a bad batch of the sticky icky. And therefore, that bad batch may make them for a second hear voices or make their skin itch and they just start scratching at themselves or talking to themselves. But there's a difference between a bad reaction to drugs and mentally ill. There's a huge difference. You know, there's people that are diagnosed daily who are legitimately mentally ill. And there are people that, for whatever reason, they have bad reactions to drugs, which causes them temporarily to lose it. But at any rate, again, it would not have changed the situation. It would not have changed that split-second decision-making by those officers. Split-second. Keep in mind, they've already responded to multiple 911 calls. When he flees out of the building towards those officers with the gun in his hand, pointing at the officers, split second, they did not have time to think of any other scenario other than drop this gun, drop the gun, boom, 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 center mass, two to the chest, boom, 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 center mass, two to the chest, boom, 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 center mass, two to the chest. And I did that three times because remember, it was three officers that totaled 31 shots. Boom, 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 to the chest, center mass. That's how police train And guess what? When you train on something so much, you can do it with your eyes closed. To this day, if I unholster my weapon and I come on target, I don't care where I am at. I guarantee my arm is going to be stretched out to center mass because that's how I trained. I trained at it so much that it's still locked in my brain that when I unholster this weapon, I don't come up low where it's going to hit the kneecap high into the right where it's going to hit the elbow down to the ground where it's going to shoot someone's pinky toe off like in Harlem Nights when I bring that weapon up when I bring my Glock 26 up on target center mass is where I'm aiming every time I, I think the, the biggest tragedy in this entire thing Really, and when I looked at his Facebook, I was saddened because there's pictures of his son on there. And he's such a cute little kid. He was a four-year-old kid. There's pictures of Rashawn Lloyd holding him when he was a baby. There's pictures as he's growing up. And I'm sure Rashawn loved his son. I'm sure of it. There's no doubt in my mind he was going to go spend the day with him that day. This is the tragedy in in this. The tragedy is these officers had to take this father away from his son 
because he decided he was not going to drop the gun. Now, for those of you who think it's easy, who think police are robots, who just shoot with no remorse and go on about their day, they go out and eat dinner and all this stuff later, like, oh, we just shot and killed the guy, where are we going for dinner? That is the furthest thing from the truth. Because don't you think, as men who probably have children of their own, to have to shoot a father on Father's Day is not going to mess with their heads? If you believe that, you're sadly mistaken, you're sadly wrong. I urge you to even call and ask these officers, because I'm sure eventually their names will be released, because I'm sure this is not the last of it. This was only Sunday. Today's Tuesday. This will build. People are going to want criminal charges. They're going to want indictments for murder. They're going to want these guys to be fired. They're going to want the police chief to be fired. All of this other stuff that's going to come out of this, as we've seen in the past, is going to happen. But while everyone is demanding all this justice, I want one person to stop and ask all three of those officers, how do you feel taking a father away from his son on Father's Day? Does that make you feel good? Or is that something you're going to think about probably for the rest of your life? That yes, granted, you were protecting your life, the lives of your officers, the lives of the community where he was already firing the gun at. But is that going to affect you for the rest of your life? And I guarantee you they would say, yes, it will affect me for the rest of my life. My Father's Day going forward will not be the same after 2016. So here's my fear for this case. Outside of the Black Lives Matter movement and your Al Sharptons and Benjamin Crumps and all these groups that are going to demand justice for these white officers that killed this black male who should have just been shot in the leg. NYPD is in the midst of the biggest corruption scandal they've had in recent years. So here are officers who responded to a call, who did what is known as a clean shoot. There was no question it had to go down this way. But you have three and probably more of their top officials who have been arrested in the last few days. Uh, I talked about this a few weeks ago when I mentioned suicides committed by cops. One of the officers I mentioned was named in this corruption scandal. He was a top executive. So you have all these top officials in the NYPD. Well, not all. You have a few select named top officials in the NYPD who are being charged, accused of corruption. So you have the officers that are doing their job the way it should be done, and they have to deal with seeing their bosses' bosses doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. I want to play a sound clip of some of these charges that are being alleged, alleged. and then I want to talk about the one that's most troubling to me, and it has to do with guns. Some of the highest and most sensitive levels of the New York City Police Department. The first, described in a detailed complaint, involves the alleged corruption of two commanding officers. Uh, they are Michael Harrington, the former executive officer of the Chief of Department's office, which supervises all uniformed police 
uh, officers in the NYPD. And the other is Deputy Inspector James Grant, the former commanding officer of the 19th Precinct on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Over a period of years, these two police officers allegedly engaged in an egregious quid pro quo relationship with two private citizens. Jeremy Reichberg, a Brooklyn man who held himself out as a NYPD liaison, and a real estate businessman who was a friend of Reichberg, now cooperating with the government. <clears throat> as we allege, they spent well over $100,000 in bribe money to get what they wanted. Now, what did Reichberg and the cooperating witness get in return for their bribes? They got, in effect, a private police force for themselves and their friends. Effectively, they got cops on call. When they needed to get somewhere quick, <clears throat> they called on Grant and Harrington for a police escort, and they got it. Lights, sirens, and all. David Villanueva, an NYPD sergeant and a supervisor in the licensing division, we allege, took bribes for years from Alex Lichtenstein, a so-called expediter, in exchange for pushing through gun license applications. Lichtenstein charged clients who wanted gun licenses upwards of $18,000, and he in turn gave Villanueva thousands of dollars. Wow. Wow. So the indictment alleges that these officers were providing unauthorized police support, police escorts for these individuals. Blue lights, sirens, you name it, the whole nine yards. And one of the things that always irritated me, even when I was on the job, were cops using their blue lights and sirens just to benefit themselves, to get through traffic, to get through a red light, you name it. Let's be honest, it happens. But these guys were providing unauthorized police escorts to these individuals that were paying, paying them. They took bribes. They took trips to Las Vegas. One of the officials even had a prostitute as his travel partner on these trips to Vegas. Now, when I was on the streets in Nashville, there was a certain McDonald's on Harding Place that took care of police. And when I say take care of police, that means we had our own table. It said police only. And our meals were covered. There were a few restaurants in Nashville that did that. Is that a bribe? Is it corruption? It was a thank you to the officers to say, hey, thank you for protecting us. This particular McDonald's on Harding Place had been robbed countless times. So as a deterrent, they decided to put on the police table, hey, this is your table for the service you've done to us. We weren't going out and putting on blue lights and sirens and all of this stuff to keep the bad guys away. We weren't escorting the workers to home and all of this stuff. There were just certain people, certain businesses that wanted to show their appreciation for police. And we didn't see it as corruption. Now, some people may see it as corruption. That's your opinion. But when you're talking that these people were paying for trips with prostitutes, which is an illegal activity that the NYPD arrests people for on a daily basis, that to me sounds like corruption. So you are a law enforcement officer, but yet you're getting sent to Vegas by someone who has been committing corruption and bribery, and let's just sweeten the pot. Let's throw in a prostitute while you're there. Hmm. 
Okay. Now, the part that gets me, the trips, all of that, it's bad. It's really, really, really bad. The police, police escorts, it's bad. But you have a sergeant who's a supervisor of the permit department expediting gun permits. So your partner, the civilian, was charging people $18,000 for a gun permit. Hmm. And you, in turn, were expediting those and getting thousands of dollars yourself. Now, let's look at this big, 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 big picture. Now, if I'm the average citizen and you tell me my gun permit is going to cost me $18,000 cash, I'm likely going to say, well, damn, I don't need a gun because my permit in Georgia was only a couple hundred, and I thought, man, that's kind of steep. So let's look at the type of people that have $18,000 just to throw away. Now, there may be one or two legitimate businessmen in there, but if they're legitimate, they're going to say, hmm, if I go directly to the city, it's only going to cost me this amount, which is probably few hundred dollars. I don't know New York law, even though I'm in New York. I'm only here for a few days. It's only going to cost me a few hundred dollars to get this permit, to get this license. It may take seven to ten days. It may take a few weeks. It may take whatever. But I'm not paying someone $18,000 cash as a legitimate person. Now, let's look at New York as a whole. We have the biggest terrorist attack on U.S. soil, well, if you count Orlando, but that's still questionable. We had the biggest terrorist attack on U.S. soil, September 11th, 2001. Who do you think are paying $18,000 for gun permits? Is not Pookie and them down in the projects where these legitimate officers had to do a clean shoot. It's not your 80-year-old grandmother. It's not your 60-year-old grandfather who's looking to protect his family. These are criminals. And if we're expediting, well, not we, because I had nothing to do with it, but if this officer is expediting gun permits, do you really think there's a lot of background checks that are going into this? Because to me, expediting means Oh, you got a few thousand? <laughs> Here's your expedition. They get their permit today. I don't care if they've only been in the country three weeks, three days, three minutes. I don't care if they're on a terror watch list. As the case in Orlando, I don't care about any of that. You got your money to pay me. I'm going to expedite these gun permits. So now there's this huge problem of there could be possible terrorists floating around the city of New York armed and they got their permit for all intents and purposes is legal because it came from the permit office. So if they get pulled over, hey, do you have a permit for that? Yes, officer, I do. <laughs> Little do you know it was one of your crooked cops that gave it to me. But yes, officer, I do have my permit. So therefore, I'm legally able to carry this gun 
that I'm going to go commit an act of terror with later. Yes, sir, I have my permit. Sure do. That is a huge problem. Now, again, granted, the trips, the prostitute, all of this stuff bothers me. But the fact that a sworn official who is sworn to protect and serve, who has been on the department for many, 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 many years, even while September 11th took place, would have the audacity to put not only the citizens of New York at risk, but let's be honest, to put Americans at risk in general. Because if this has been going on for years like this allegation claims, there's no telling how many people who should not have guns have guns in the city of New York because of this one individual who chose money over his integrity, over the safety of the city, over the safety of Americans. He chose money over that. And God knows there's been days where it's like, ooh, I can't wait till I get paid again. But there's nothing, no amount of money to allow me to put the safety of this country at risk. I'm sorry, it doesn't exist. Maybe I'm the rare exception, but to me, it doesn't exist. So I hope that officer, I hope all of these officers, I don't even want to call them officers anymore, they've been arrested. Now, these are police that should have been arrested, not the ones down in Baltimore who were acting in good faith with Freddie Gray and they got charged with murder. These are the officers that should be arrested. And if it comes back that these guns that were purchased because of these illegal permits were used in homicides, then that officer that signed those permits should be charged in every case of those homicides. If the gun was used in a mass shooting, say New York has a mass shooting tomorrow, hopefully after I'm on the plane and gone, but let's say New York has a mass shooting tomorrow. If that handgun, that assault rifle or whatever was purchased because of a permit that this officer quote unquote expedited for a few thousand dollars, then he should be charged in every death that results from it. That's just my opinion. You may not have the same opinion, but it is about the safety of this country to protect American lives. And when I say American, I don't mean just black and white. Anybody that lives here as a U.S. citizen who resides here, who goes to work every day, it is the NYPD's job to protect them. And when you have rogue officers, it not only looks bad for those officers, but it looks bad for the NYPD. And there's going to be a lot that has to go into people trusting them again. Anyway, it's about time for me to get out of here. I'm in New York. I got to go see the city, the city that never sleeps. I assure you, I haven't slept since I got here, maybe two or three hours. But before I go, last week, I didn't do this in lieu of Orlando, but I want to get back to it. Roll call. And this one is very sad to me. Very, very sad because it happened on Sunday. Of course, that was Father's Day. Sergeant Stacy Allen Bottengartner. And I probably butchered his last name. I apologize. 
Patton Village Police Department in Texas. He was dispatched to a gas station of a call of a man urinating and exposing himself in public. As he arrived, the man attempted to run him over and fled at a high rate of speed. Of course, Sergeant Allen, Sergeant Stacy Allen gave chase in a pursuit. He passed through an intersection. His patrol car was broadsided by an SUV. It pushed him into a light pole. It caused the SUV to overturn. The officer died on the way to the hospital. But an 11-year-old inside the SUV was also killed. There were other people inside the SUV that were badly injured. So this was tragic in so many ways. This officer left behind his wife, his son, and his daughter. Their Father's Day will never be the same. The parents of that 11-year-old, their Father's Day will never be the same. It's just tragic all the way around. The individual was caught. He's being charged with two counts of murder as well. He should be because it was his actions that led to the pursuit, that led to the crash, that led to these deaths. So to this officer, thank you for your service. My prayers are with you. Godspeed. My prayers are with your family. So sad that this happened. My prayers go out to the family of the 11-year-old that was also killed in the SUV. Just senseless, senseless, senseless that you decided to try to run over a police officer, flee the scene for something that would have been a misdemeanor offense. Something that you probably, if you didn't have warrants, would have gotten a ticket for. Who knows why he ran, but he caused devastation and loss of life because of his actions. I want to thank you for listening. I will be back in Atlanta next week. Same time, same station, RadioInfluence.com, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. I'm Vincent Hill. I'm out of here. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a LOL with Nancy Alexander Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Eric Deggins, I am so pleased that you're doing LOL with me today. I'm uh, happy to be here. This is not normally what I talk about in NPR, so... No, you normally talk about TV, and we're going to talk about TV. I spent some time at uh, Colbert, Stephen Colbert's Late Show, and uh, you it, did not. I did. I did too. And then on on Saturday, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I, I shouldn't. Wait. Sorry, you sorry. Just went walking. So I just gl- I was getting gloss right. I right have past that. Over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you meet him? I did not meet him. I'm working uh, CBS to give me access to the show. So they um, the Colbert they Report. Me, they let me watch the taping, and I talked to some people behind the scenes. Was, in my opinion, the most brilliant show on television. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. The the he seems uh, to be floundering a little. Yeah, trying to do. Yeah, his late night gig and very much so. Well, not very much so, but I, I, can I, I give you my opinion as sh- to why? Sure, because you're the expert on television here. No, I just thought I'd offer <laughs> I, it up. 
And I even asked you on my own show if I'm I bring in an expert on television, opinion. and I'm going to tell you about television. All no, right, go my, ahead. In, in my opinion, then, <laughs> and then, you, then you tell me why. I just love giving you a hard time. Go ahead. I, I think um, I think he's too political. Mm, I see, think he lets his politics show that's, too that's, much. That's not what a lot of people would say. Hmm, interesting. He he shows his hand a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. And of course, in the Colbert Report, that's all he did. Right. In character, of course. Mm-hmm. But when you're trying to sell quarter pounders to the masses, mm-hmm. I wonder if polarizing people is a really good idea. See, see, I would say that I think that he's uh, very careful about that and that that may be one reason why he's having a hard time. Like, basically, he Well, has, you think he, he should lay it on thicker. Well, what? no, what I think is that he has to figure out um, who Stephen Colbert is on television apart from that character. And normally what happens when you're somebody like uh, Conan O'Brien or Jimmy Fallon, when you start hosting the smaller show that gets you the big show, that's what you're figuring out. Sure. Like, who am I when I'm on TV? Not who am I, period, or who, I, who am I as a stand-up, but who am I when I am the host of the show? And that's why Jimmy Fallon spent years doing the show at 1230, and then when he was ready to take over The Tonight Show, he was kind of ready to step up. I don't know uh, that there's anyone more talented on television right now than Jimmy Fallon. He's pretty good. There and really is and nothing he, he cannot do. Good. He's very good at inhabiting that Tonight Show. Now, but what Stephen Colbert did was he spent all those years playing a character. So now he comes to the Colbert to, to, to the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, but he could just and he flip still it, doesn't. He? No, he still doesn't quite. He doesn't know who is Stephen Colbert on television when he's not being that weird character that he played on the right. Colbert Report. And that's what they're figuring out right now. What happened was all the writers and producers who worked on the Colbert Report moved over to um, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. They did. Then why and, isn't it better? And those people knew how to do that show. They didn't necessarily know how to do the show they're doing now. And that's what they're figuring out now is how to do the show they're doing. Now. He has to figure out um, who Stephen Colbert is on television apart from that character. And normally what happens when you're somebody like uh, Conan O'Brien or Jimmy Fallon, when you start hosting the smaller show that gets you the big show, that's what you're figuring out. Like, who am I when I'm on TV? Not who am I, period, or who who am I as a stand-up, but who am I when I am the host of the show. And that's why Jimmy Fallon spent years doing the show at 1230. And then when he was ready to take over the Tonight Show, he was kind of ready to step up. I don't know uh, that there's anyone more talented on television right now than Jimmy Fallon. He's pretty good. There and really is and nothing he's, and he's he cannot very do. Good. He's very good at inhabiting that Tonight Show. Now, but what Stephen Colbert did was he spent all those years playing a character. So now he comes to the Colbert to, to, to the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, but he could just and he flip still it, doesn't. He? No, he still doesn't quite. He doesn't know who is Stephen Colbert on television when he's not being that weird character that he played on the right. Colbert Report, and that's what they're figuring out right now. LOL with Nancy Alexander can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.